We have Lord's Supper today, and I um, want to kind of tell you a little bit about really what the purpose of the Lord's Supper is, and we're going to be teaching it again out of 1 Corinthians. Every time we have the Lord's Supper, we teach it again out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I want you to understand that anything you learn out of 1 or 2 Corinthians, understand that the Apostle Paul is correcting them. <laughs> Generally, they've done something, and they've done it from the wrong perspective. They've done, it, they've done it in the wrong power. They've done it the wrong way. And the Apostle Paul basically is right. He wrote these letters saying, guys, here's some good things you did, but bam, here's what you didn't do right. And I want you to get it straight because you represent Christ to the world. And so this is no different in this particular passage. So one of the best ways for me to describe 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, and the Lord's Supper, is really to look at these colors that we have. Nice shirt. All right, Sarah. And, and it's on these colors that we have. And you'll see them on my board. You'll see we have stickers back there you can grab. But here's the way the story goes. As you know, that this yellow in the middle, this gold, reminds me that my home is in heaven. This is not where my home is. How many of y'all would say my, your home's in heaven? You say amen? Yeah. Dude, we, as soon as we start trying to make it about this place now, as soon as we start trying to make this place our home, we're in trouble. We won't answer a call. Because, no, no, this is home, man. We're settled here. I, look, God, I've gone as far as, you, as I'm going to go. This is where I draw the line for you. Dude, when you try to make this place home, you get in trouble. Uh, could you imagine at work, hey, Zane, can you imagine at, you, at work they give you an office? you have an office? No, no your, your truck, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, your truck. So let's imagine you take your truck and in the back you put a Lazy Boy recliner. You know, get rid of, you know, get rid of a welding tank and that. Put a Lazy Boy recliner, find you a, plant a tree or even put up a canopy in the parking lot. And then park your truck backwards in there and, and get on your Lazy Boy recliner and just start operating off your phone from that recliner. Trying to make it like a home. Even put a big screen TV up. Oh, I know you think that's for the devil, right? But you'd be watching videos, right? But there's got to be something good on there for you. But I'm just saying, man, try to make it like home. And then your boss comes out and your boss is like, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm getting my job done, but I just want some of the comforts of home. And, and, and then you start more. Now you got a refrigerator. Get rid of the Yeti, dude. Get a refrigerator on there because you're not going anywhere. You take the cord and plug it into the building. Yeah. yeah. Get cable run in. Get Wi-Fi. Everything's all right there. And you start trying to do your job and make it home. How does that work out? No, because home is home and job, work is work. And, you know, once we have a home in heaven and we know that's our home, it's settled. We're done. We're, what right now our life is about working. We're on the clock for Christ to represent him because in a short period of time, I don't care how old you are, how young you are. How, you don't know when your next breath is, do you, Roger? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We don't know when everything's just going to hit the fan and implode. We don't know. We don't know anything. We don't know we have the next day. And again, I want to give you the right perspective on this, but the point is, is that you see, I, if I get 100 grains of sand right here, you want to count those for me? No, you don't even want to touch them, do you? No, 100 <laughs> grains of sand, if that's 100 years of life, the rest of the sand in this universe is not even equivalent to eternity. And no matter how long you got left on the, have left on this planet, it's, it's, it's that much compared to eternity. And so again, my home is in heaven, and I can't ever mistake that. Uh, once I give my life Christ, I have a home in heaven. And, and if I ever get that confused and start making it about here and now, 
I get in trouble. I get bad theology. I make bad decisions. I don't follow God. And I don't get to experience the abundant life he wants me to have. So my home is where? It's in heaven. But we don't come into this world with a home in heaven. You don't come. In fact, the Bible tells in Romans, we come into this world as an enemy to God. The only reason you do anything good, anything nice, anything benevolent is because you know it's going to benefit you in the long run. You catch more flies with what? Sugar than vinegar. Unless you want to use the other fly attractant, but which people do usually. You'll get that later. But I'm just saying you, you just do good things because because, you know, that's going to come back to you. And people call it karma. They call it all kinds of things. And we do that. And, and so that's not our motivation when we're a born-again believer. Uh, when we come into this world, we're a sinner. We care about one person, and who is that? Who is it that we care about? Me. That's it. So if I'm nice to you, you know, and I'm nice to everybody, that's cool because, hey, Monique, you're nice over at the park, right? Because it brings you business, and plus, people don't yell at you as much, right? If you're nice, dude, you reap what you sow no matter what. So it's good to be nice to people, and it's a good vibe to put off. But you're still lost. Because what happens, man, you're doing it for the wrong motivation. This black represents what? Sin. Sin. Doing the wrong things and not doing the right things. And, the wrong, and it's all based on your motivation. God wants to be glorified the only right motivation for anything is to glorify god or because we love god and before you're born again before you give your life to christ you can't do that and so according to the word of god you're you're an enemy to god you don't have a home to heaven if you can understand this all right but when you understand that you have sin that god has some rules and they can't be violated there's consequences for their sin the wages of sin is death separation from god and you realize, dude, I need a savior. I can't cover my sins. Callaway, dude, can I cover this? Can I cover all the black that's on here? I got this, but what about this? I can't cover it. And is there anything you can do to cover your sins? So you mean God doesn't like basically take this person compared to this person compared to this person compared, and then he just takes the top, you know, cream of the crop and you're like, woo, good, I'm in the top of that bucket. I get to go to heaven. That whole bucket, where does that bucket get to go? Without Christ, man, without Christ, it goes to hell. And that's what the Bible teaches. Nobody's good enough. And we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. So at some point, God's going to give us the opportunity to hear the good news, which is what the gospel means. We're going to hear about the red. And the red represents what, Calloway? Here, let me cut you and I'll tell you. No. What, what does it represent? It's, it's the blood of Christ. It, Jesus, check this out. God knew that he had that there was a penalty for sin. He knew he had to enforce the penalty to be a just God. But to be a loving God, he had to provide a way for our sin to be paid for. And so God, in his omniscience, in his, in his love for us and in his mercy, he came down as God and human. What was his name? Jesus, he came down and he lived a perfect life and he never sinned. So did he have any sins that he had to pay for? No, he had no sins to pay for. So when he died on the cross, he wasn't paying for his sins. He was paying for if you jumped in the grocery bag, right? He's paying for everybody who sins who would jump in the grocery bag. Anyone who would put their faith and trust in him and say, I don't want to be judged according to my sins later. 
I don't want to stand before the judge and say, all right, yeah, I was this good and this person, she was a Christian and I saw, I lived next door to her. I saw what she was like. I heard her and her husband fight and I heard, y'all don't do that, but uh, <laughs> just sometimes, right? I just been vacate. Why are you laughing, Emily? You were just on vacation with him? No. <laughs> not like me and mom. No. <laughs> yeah. So, is that why you're not married yet? No, I'm just joking. But... No, I meant because you didn't want to fight with somebody. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm praying for the right one for you, and he just hasn't come along, right? So anyways, bottom line is you can, you have two choices, two ways to have your sins paid for. One you could die and go to hell and pay for your own sins. Anybody, run, anybody sign it up for that list? Voluntarily, knowingly? No. So what he did was he came and became a substitute. And if we receive the grace and faith that he gives us to believe that what he did on the cross pays for our sins, then we surrender ourselves to him. If you have the ability to believe this story, man, if you have the ability to believe it and you've not done it, go for it because he's given you that ability. If you think it's totally ludicrous and it's totally whacked and, and, and it's totally messed up and you don't believe it, it's because he's not giving you that ability to right now. But if you can believe it, man, put your faith and trust in it and say, man, there's no way I can pay for my sins. And I believe that what you did on the cross pays for my sins. And it applies to, I want it applied to my life. I'm surrendering myself to you. And when you do that, his blood covers you and he takes away your sins. And how long does he do that for, Josh? I see you staring out in space. How long does he do it for? Forever. Yeah, so you don't have to renew it every year, right? You know, can it fall out of your pocket and you lose it? Can you run out of it like gas in the boat? No, you don't. It's there and it's there forever, man. And so, so again, the, the gold represents that, the fact that I have a home where? heaven but the black reminds me i didn't come into this world having that home i had something in the way separating me and god and that black is what sin. my sin i couldn't cover my own sin so at some point god had to give me the desire and ability to believe in what the red is and that that would cover my sin and the red stands for the the blood of christ and so we've got that if you are covered by the blood of christ you are covered forever period you're covered. You're his child. And if you want to act like a disobedient child, what happens to disobedient children, man? Hey, when you like throw a temper tantrum, you ever throw one anymore? Okay, what happens, man? No, I'm just, there's discipline. There's, you want a spanking from God? Go ahead. <laughs> you know? That's not his plan. He wants us just to love him and obey him and follow him. And, and the more we do that on this planet, the more we get to experience what heaven is going to be like. When we walk in the spirit, we can't fulfill the lust of the flesh, and we get to experience what heaven is, real, heaven is like as much as we can on this earth. One day we will lose this flesh, and we'll be in heaven, and it'll be perfect, and, and even you, Zane, will never be able to get in trouble again. And I won't be able to get in trouble again. And it's going to be great. But the fact is, is why didn't he, you know, he didn't, he has another plan for us now. I mean, Abel, wouldn't it be awesome if he just took y'all all to heaven right now? Could you not be happy in heaven? Yeah. Dude, I think there's going to be waves in heaven, right? Yeah. And there's going to be chicken gizzards in heaven. And what else you guys like, man? Chocolate, as Keone would say, chocolate pie or chocolate cake. Yeah, dude. 
yeah, that's it, dude. Uh, if that's, I mean, I don't know what's all going to be there, but all that we, des- all that we, we're going to desire him, and he's going to be there. And, and if we do have those desires, you know, then that, that'll be good, man. You may have your own little steakhouse right there, and I'll come visit you. But all we know is God's there, okay? But if it was about satisfying us now and, and have, giving us our, all that, dude, he could have taken us and put us in heaven, and that would have been awesome, right? Why did he leave us here? He left us here for the green. And this is the reason we celebrate the Lord's Supper when he tells us to. He doesn't tell us every week, once a quarter, once a month. He tells us if we're listening when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And it's all about the green. The green is helping us to remind us to grow in love with him so we can grow in love with others. Everybody say that. Grow in love with him so we can grow in love with others. One more time. Grow in love with him. It's when grow in love with others. You see that? That's a cross right there. Okay. For, you know, when you were in my, Corey, you were, you were like in my youth group. I think we did that there. I got nothing new, bro, at all. It's all good. But it still works, man, because it's the Holy Spirit that takes it and pierces your heart. So you let me know when that happens, man. No, I just mess with you. But seriously, it is. It's about growing in love with him so we can grow in love with others. So that's what this green is. As we live in this broken world, y'all agree this world's broken? I think there was another shooting while we were on vacation. I, I didn't, unfortunately, I went on my, yeah, in Maryland or somewhere. Man, I was, dude, it's not going to stop, folks. Do you understand that? It's not going to stop. It's going to get worse. The world, if you read scripture, it's going to get darker and darker. How many of y'all seen it get darker in your own lifetime? So can we hide and just only have our own light, uh, you know, light vibe and all of this? Are we going to escape? We can't. But and God's left us here for a purpose. He, he, we're a light. We're supposed to bring spiritual light to a dark world. He's not going to take away the storm. He's going to give us a seaworthy vessel to ride them out in. Hey, Matthew, would you, if there's a big hurricane, man, or, or big waves, overhead waves, would you rather be treading water out there? Or would you rather have a nice surfboard so you can enjoy the ride? A nice surfboard. That's what God is. He's that board that gives us the ability to, to ride the waves that drown most people. And so that's what this Lord's Supper is about. To make it, check, it's, it's given to give us four checks in our life. To make sure that, that we're growing more in love with him. And not getting distracted and discouraged in this world. But instead we're growing in love with him. Because if we grow in love with him, he's going to cause us to grow in love with who? Everyone else, man. And so you'll see that in here. So in 1 Corinthians, you know where that white thing went? Oh, yeah. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to, want to share this with you. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper by looking back, looking forward, looking in, and looking around. Okay, so, so look, man, who, who's supposed to preach this when they leave? Who's supposed to preach this message when they leave? Everyone. Leslie, you're supposed to preach this wherever you go tomorrow. You're supposed to teach others to observe what he's taught you. That's what disciple making is. So every one of you is supposed to preach it. So that's why I'm going to give you these. Carl, that's why I'm going to give you these silly hand signals, okay? Because it's going to help you be able to remember to preach this again. So everybody help, help us out here, man. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper by, by take your fingers, by looking back. Everybody, everybody looking back right here. Come on, Matthew. You've got to do it, bro. Looking back, bro. All right, this way you'll remember it. I promise. Tomorrow I'll see it probably. Yeah, you look. Oh, looking back. All right, so we're gonna look back, and we're gonna look forward. We're gonna look in, and we're gonna look around. Okay, ready? Back, forward, in, around. One more time. Back, forward, in, around.
worship aerobics. We could keep doing this, all right? So, so if you happen to be in a class tomorrow where you're teaching like aerobics or something, back, forward, in, around, and you can even add the full work to it. Dude, get your whole air conditioning crew doing that, man. And then video it, man. It'll be awesome. All right, so we're going to be looking back, forward, in, and around. Check this out. The first part is what he wants us to do in this Lord's Supper is to look which way? Back to what Christ did for us. Now, here's what was happening in Corinth at the time. I told you they're always getting corrected for, uh, by something or about something or for something. And what was happening is they had this Lord's Supper uh, that they were going to be celebrating these things to keep them in check so they would be growing more in love with God and then they would be sure to be growing in love with people. But church gets you distracted sometimes with your little programs and your priorities and people and all these things. We need something to keep us on track, especially if you're ADD like me. And so they, that was what the Apostle Paul was. And what happened with them, they took this little love feast and, or this little Lord's Supper. And what they did is they said, dude, I know what we'll do. There's poor people in our congregation that don't even get a good meal. So how about us rich people bring some meat? We bring some food. And, and you guys bring what you can bring, and you bring what you can bring, and you bring what you can bring. And you know what we'll do? We'll just share what we have in common, and we'll love each other. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. Man, that, I'm game for that. Only problem is if it gets out of hand, you run into a situation they're in. So they all started bringing food every week, man. And they, started, and they called it a love feast. Huh. A love feast. That's what it was. Karen, you love people with food? That is your gift, loving people with food. Now, as you can see, she has loved me. Yeah. All right? We love each other. They were loving each other by supplying food and resources for each other. And, but guess what happened? They had tables and chairs everywhere, and they were loving each other. But all of a sudden, little clicks start. Anybody ever see little clicks start? Yeah. Katie, you ever seen little clicks start? Man, it's, it can happen at work. It can happen in a neighborhood. It can happen... Everywhere, but that's what was happening. Little clicks were starting, and so all of a sudden, the rich people—somebody had the idea over there, like, "Well, the poor people—I I saw they had a pig and they didn't kill it, and why they're going to eat all my pigs? You know, they're going to—well, they were Jews. I'm sorry, they were eating cows, probably. But seriously, they were all—they all started. I don't know what their logic is. It's no different than ours. Something got in the way where all of a sudden they weren't loving each other anymore. They were loving themselves like they were when they were lost. Remember, before you give your life to Christ, who do you love? You. If you love anybody else, it's because it's going to benefit you. Once you give your life to Christ, now who do you love? Him. And everything's supposed to be about that. But our flesh gets in the way and their flesh got in the way. And all of a sudden, there's a click over there eating steak. And there's a click over here that didn't really want to be in a click. And they're eating gruel, whatever gruel is. There's, there's another group eating. Over, and all of a sudden, there was division in the church. And there was, it was nothing about love. And then they stopped even doing really the Lord's Supper. They just tagged that on the end of their little feast when it was supposed to be the main thing. So Paul says, first thing I want you guys to do, and he says, you're going to see, he's told them to do this over and over again, is I want you to look back. Everybody show me back. Look back. Thank you, Joan, for getting up from writing. Look back for what, to what Christ did for you. Now look at this. Paul says this. I received this from who? No, I didn't get this from Peter, you know, from James. I didn't get this like, you know, in a, in a little book. He got it straight from the Lord. He got it straight from the Lord. And he said, that which I also delivered to you. Hey, what is delivered? What's the difference between deliver and delivered? Yeah. 
Yeah, past and present. And, and so he was like, I have delivered this to you. And, and really, it's I've delivered it, I've delivered it, I've delivered it. Is this the first time he's ever said this? Hey, Abel, you guys, um, you're, you're the mom. You're always staying home with kids, right? No, I'm just messing with you. But, but you ever have to tell your kids something more than once? You ever have to tell Abel something more than once? Dude, us guys try so hard, man, but we just don't understand. We are listening, though. Just trust me. But you ever have to tell your kids something more than once? Can you only ever have to hear it more than once? Yeah, and that's Paul telling his spiritual kids, I've delivered this to you. You've heard it before. You're hearing it again. And that's why we go over it every time we do the Lord's Supper because it keeps us from being distracted and discouraged and keeps us on track. He says, man, I delivered this to you, what I got from the Lord, that, on the, the, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, okay, that was the night before he was going to be crucified and he was going to be betrayed by Judas, before he was going to be arrested and go through six illegal trials, before he was going to get stripped naked and, and, and have, be paraded around all the soldiers. And they were going to blindfold him and they were going to beat him and they were going to beat a crown of thorns in his head. And they were going to spit on him and make fun of him. How many of y'all to quit so far? On that same night, man, before all this was going to happen, man, instead of being worried about the next day, being beaten beyond recognition, being beaten with a cat of nine tails as as he stripped down, how many of y'all would freak out by just being stripped naked, tied to a post in the middle of the town square? How many of y'all just pass out right there? Roger, I have a feeling you would not be the only one passing out from that site. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but seriously, man. <coughs> yeah, dude. On the night before all this was going down, he's trying to teach it. He took an ordinary meal and was trying to teach the disciples something special about all this. On the night, he took bread. They always had bread. And he took it. And instead, and look at this. He gave what? Thanks. Man, when you're grateful, everything is what? Great. Great. One more time. When you're grateful, everything is? Great. Yeah. How about when you're in a pity party? Everything is pitiful, right? <laughs> you got two ways you can go when stuff happens. Man, you get a fish hook in your leg. I am so grateful I have a husband that knows how to get this fish hook up. <laughs> I saw it in my spiritual wife. She was just saying, praying, you know, thank you, Jesus, for this husband of 29 years. I could be married to some guy that had to send me to the emergency room, you know. But anyways, I'm joking. So, look, he gave thanks. Instead, man, instead of freaking out and all this about, he was giving thanks because he wanted to teach somebody something about seeing life from God's perspective. He gave thanks. He broke the bread. Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when are we supposed to do this? Yeah, in remembrance of him. Later, we're supposed to look back at what he did. And, and again, I'm going to invite uh, you to share things about this. Uh, we're going to talk about this in a small group format in just a second. All right. And in verse 25, in the same manner, he took the cup. And after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Again, this do as often you drink it, as often as you do it. He said, do it in what? Remember to me. So he says, I want you to take specific times and I want you to think back of what I did for you. Zane, what do you think of when you think back of what he did for you? And again, we, uh, yeah, what, what do you think back? I see him as, um, as I see him broken for me. Broken for you, taking that brokenness. How about you? What do you see when you... Seth, what do you think of when you think of... Uh, look back to what he did for you? 
I, I'm in awe that God would become man for my sake. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, so, so, so God the Father treated Jesus like us so that he could treat us like him, that you're awe that God would do that for us. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Corey, what do you think when you look back, you think back about what Jesus did for you? What comes to mind? Yeah, um, someone who was totally perfect in every way, shape, or form, um, took on all the sins of, of the world, past, present future amen yeah even the sins you haven't committed yet he's he's he paid it it took those away and paid for them anyone else steve how about you man i'm I'm getting i'm getting things started but be thinking don't uh yeah joan go ahead what do you think when you think back of what he thought maybe a little bit more selfish because when i think about when i look back and i think about what jesus did for me I think about when I was nine years old, and he saved me, and he changed me so much that my neighbors wanted to know what happened. They asked my mother what happened to Joey. And I see that at that early stage of life, he changed my path forever. He knew he needed to do it to me early. Anyone else? Debbie, how about you? What do you think of when you think? You thought you were sitting on the back row. This yeah. isn't a very big congregation, so. If I didn't look at you, maybe Some churches, you're like in the front row, man. So, well, what, what, did he, uh, what do you think of when you just think of, if, if I were to say, think back of what Jesus did for you, what would you think about So you could be free. How about you, Susan? I see smoke coming out of your ears, man. Go ahead. Yeah. Spiritual smoke. So you wouldn't sacrifice Sarah for the chance that maybe a quarter of the population would accept it. Knowing three quarters would never believe it and trust it. Yeah, not a chance. See, that's why you're not God, and I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, amen. Yeah, as a parent, yeah, sacrificing, yeah. If there was any other way for us to be saved, do you not think he would have done it? It It was a beautiful plan. Anyone else? Roger, when you think back, what do you think of (laughs) <laughs> not back to your life before Christ. We don't want to hear about that. You don't need to spell it for us. No. <laughs> I fought him for 67 years, and I'm still in awe of what he did for me. Amen. Still in awe. You fought him for 67 years, and now you're saved. One more, Abel, what do you think of when you think, of when you think back to what he did for you? I just think of um, just the fact that God would take the junk of our lives and not just transform it forgiveness on the cross, but that he would redeem us to be a part of the redemptive story of others. Yeah. Amen. That's humbling. Amen. Very humbling. 
Yeah, so, you know, here's the deal, man. He, God sent his only what? His only child, his only son, to come live a perfect life, to die the death of a sinner that never sinned, and to pay for our sins. And you know how you know whether it's for you or not? Is if you have the desire. If you have the desire to surrender yourself to him and say, I want what you did on the cross, paying for my sins. If you have that desire, that desire is coming from where? It's coming from him. And, and when he was telling Nicodemus about it, he said it's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming and you don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And if you have that desire right now and you've never surrendered to him, man, that desire is from him. And, dude, go for it. Is there anybody here that ever surrendered their life to Christ that would stand up right now and say, yep, it was the worst mistake I ever made. I wish I'd have never done that. Is there anybody here that would do that? No, no man. How many of y'all wish you'd have done it sooner? Yeah, dude, that's it. So, man, go for it. But anyone else on what you think of? Oh, what do you think? Oh, go. Were you going to raise your hand? Oh, you're just scratching your nose, bro. Oh, go ahead, bro, Matthew. When you think of back what he did for you. It's a pure example of 100% true humbleness. Yeah. He didn't have to do it. It's just like when you're doing something and you know Everything that's going on, you're watching someone else do it, and it's like, well, I, don't, I could do this, but I don't have to do it. And choose to be in that situation, not say a word, not brag about, look, I already know what I'm doing. Mm. He could have done that. He could have walked away. He did. Yeah. And he was a perfect example of true humbleness. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, think about it. Uh, we kind of think that Jesus, coming from being God, and being man is is you know pretty close you know we, we we have that idea but would you if god came to you and said you don't have to answer this like truthfully or nothing but if god came to you man and he said hey uh matthew i want you to become a cockroach so you can go communicate with the cockroaches and save all the cockroaches well and you might get squished while you're there in fact you are in the end it, how many of y'all would become cockroaches to save the co Christine, would you become a cockroach to save the cockroaches? You know? And we think that's such a far stretch, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus, God becoming man, was a farther stretch than you and me becoming cockroaches. And that's the epitome of what you're talking about with that humbleness. Dude, to come and throw off the glory of heaven and put on the rags of humanity so he could identify with us, communicate, he could die for us, be a substitute for us. Hey, if you wanted to go talk to the Barracudas, man, what would you have to become? A Barracuda, right? He had to become man to be able to save us. So in a minute, you know, when we have the Lord's Supper, we're going to actually go oh, come up and you're going to grab some of the bread. You're going to grab a juice and go back and hang out. But I want you one of the things to think about is, everybody put your fingers up. You're going to think back to what he did for you. And if you have no idea what to think about, man, just ask him. Say, say Jesus, what do I think about? What, remind me of what you did for me. And see if he doesn't just bring up some fresh stuff for you. But again, he says, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. But the next place we're supposed to look is look what way? Forward. forward. So we look back, we look forward to Jesus coming again. How many of y'all believe he's coming again? How many of y'all wish, wish it was today? Anybody? How many of y'all are like, dude, he can wait a few more days? <laughs> you know, I want to see Keone. Like, no, I'm just, you know, I want to get married first. I wanted this to burst. I want that. But I'll tell you, when you do get to heaven, man, you're not going to be disappointed with anything in heaven. But we're supposed to encourage each other and stay on track by looking forward to him coming again. 
man, Christy, what do you think it's going to be like in heaven? What's blowing you away right now if you think about heaven? All right, first, let me set the stage for you. You got crying kids and diapers need to be changed, and you're at home in a dark room with all of that going on. And then you think about heaven. What do you think about? Quiet. Peace. Yeah, there you go. Peace. Yeah, because it's the same thing with people in a job. Peace, man. So, so there's peace. But I, I, I didn't mean to put those words in your mouth, but is there something else you think? Yeah, peace is valuable. Yeah, you ever want just peace? What do you think about? What do you guys think about when you're looking forward to him coming again? Anyone? Yeah, Joan, go ahead. You can speak up again. <coughs> That's okay. Yeah, to be able to experience his full glory. Because right now, man, you remember Moses wanted to see him, and he stuck Moses in a cave, put his hand over, and just showed his backside. And Moses came out, man, sunburned. He was fried, (laughs) you know? Uh, What happens to everybody? What does everybody say when they see an angel? Oh, come on, man. What does everybody say when they see an angel? Ah! Right? All right? They all freak out. What does everybody say when they see an angel? Yeah, wake up the person next to you, all right? And yeah, ah, they say. And then what does the angel always say? Yeah, don't be afraid. I wish they would get that backwards, get that changed around there. But why? Because we can't handle glory. And what would happen if you saw the full presence of God right now? What would you have? What would happen, Steve? You you would die. Yeah, you would be all the way down. (laughs) You'd be. You can't handle it. We cannot handle. But one day we're going to be in the full presence of God. Yes, Seth. So. We're studying Revelation in various small groups. On Tuesday, yeah. And, and you know, what, what we do in heaven is we worship him. So we're talking about buying a steakhouse or, you know, having quiet or whatever. Imagine taking all those things and putting them together, and they are not even remotely close to what it is to have that thing Presence. that is so awesome. Awesome yeah. is the only word you can use. That is what you have. And that's what we have. We have worshiping. Yeah, if Seth turned into an eight-foot iguana right now that could dance and sing, what would you be paying attention to? <laughs> You'd be paying attention to that because it'd be so awesome. You'd be like, all right, Pastor Eddie, you're done, man. <laughs> and and you, would just be, you would not be able to take your mind off and your eyes off of that. But God is going to be way better than an eight-foot iguana that can sing and dance. God's going to be so overwhelming that we're not going to be able to pay attention to anything else. And it's when he comes back, man. Hey, I don't know about y'all, but if, if he comes back while I'm still here, what do I get to do, man? <laughs> Dude, I think literally I'm going to be flying. Is that not going to be cool? Dude, I'm going to be flying, but before I go up in the rapture, hey, what, what's, all, what's going to happen before the rapture? The dead in Christ, dude. Someone would be like, Granny, what's up? <laughs> you know, that's what you're glorified by. I don't know what it's going to all be like, but dude, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be phenomenal. And then to sit in his presence. But look what he says here real quick. He goes on in verse 26, says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You celebrate his death. We celebrate life in this planet. But here we celebrate his death because it was his death that paid for our sins. And so he says, you celebrate, you proclaim the Lord's death until what? Until he comes. So we're looking forward to that. So we're looking back. We're looking forward. Um, You guys remember the next part is we look, which way? We look in. And so again, we're talking about the green and keeping us in 
keeping us in balance, keeping us with a proper perspective of why we're here. You're, if you're a believer, your home in heaven is already set. It's settled. You've got a home there. Whenever he wants to take you home, he's taking you home. He's provided the transportation. Everything is set up. But while you're here, you're on the clock for him. And so he says, in order to keep fo proper focus, you've got to look back to what I did for you. You need to look forward to the fact that you are going to be with me forever. And what you now need to do is you need to look in to judge yourself so no one else has to. I'll never forget, like at State Park, there's a leash law now for surfing, Abel. I don't know if you know that. But it's a longboard place. And most classic longboards don't even have a place for a leash. You take off on a wave and you crawl up to the nose and then you dance back and you do all this. If you got a leash on your leg, man, you get all tripped up and twisted up. I hate leashes. I can't stand wearing leashes, but you know why there's a rule for a leash now? Because we wouldn't police ourselves. Because there were people on big boards that were being dangerous, that were hitting people and all these other things. You know why any rule is there? Because somebody didn't take common sense. They violated common sense. And so here he's saying within you as a Christian, if we will police ourselves, if we will judge ourselves, then no one else has to judge us, including him, because he's the judge. But you're supposed to be an example. The goal of why he's left us here is so we can grow more in love with him, so we can grow more in love with others. Look what he says in this little passage. And this is really the point of, of, of why he's, what he's trying to correct them in. He says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, um, which simply means just flippantly. You come up, you flippantly take it. All right, let's get this done and let's go eat dinner afterwards or let's just take care of it. If you don't take it to examine, to look back, to look forward, to look in and look around, he said it's an unworthy manner. You're just doing it to be doing it. You're going through the motions and there's penalties. He set it in place for us. He made it a, 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 a something we're supposed to do on a regular basis to keep us on track and keep us from getting discouraged and getting distracted and so that we represent him while we're here. So he says, therefore, whoever eats this bread, drinks his cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, meaning that you're taking the most precious thing to God and you're basically spitting on it. Could God have paid anything more for you? Is there any better, anything, what did, he, what did he use to buy you with? His son's blood. Was there anything more valuable, Susan, in this entire world than what he used to pay for you with? No, he didn't barter you on Craigslist and you got rid of some junk for Jesus and he got you. And No, dude, it was, man, the most valuable thing in the world. And you're treading on it when you don't take that serious. And so what he goes on to say, he says, but let a man or woman, <laughs> examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So again, we're supposed to look in. And you know what I do at this point? I say, God, is there anything in my life? I know there is, but be gentle. Show me one at a time. Don't tell me any more than I can't handle. Can you imagine if God just dumped everything on us at once? But instead, whatever he brings to your mind about fixing, about correcting, man, it's the thing that he wants you to fix and you to correct. And I say, God, Holy Spirit, will you please just show me what it is that's causing me not to represent you the way you need to be represented in this world because that's my only job. I'm a witness of his power and his glory and his love. And if there's anything getting in the way of that, I need him to show me. So he goes on and says, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, he's talking to the Corinthians, but it's good for us too. He says, drinks judgment to himself. 
Now you not only need to be corrected for what he wanted to correct you for, but you need to be corrected for, for taking this lightly. And he said, you, you drink judgment to yourself, not discerning the Lord's body, not taking serious what I'm telling you to take serious. And look what he says. For many, this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That's part of the physical consequence. There were people who were weak and they were sick. And when he says, and you sleep, what does that word sleep mean in the New Testament? Die. And by the way, let me just hit this. That's a really cool way of saying die. Because, hey, Leslie, when you die, like when you went to sleep last night, okay? Did, did you plan on waking up this next morning? Yes. You, you, you made plans for the next day. How many of you got plans for tomorrow? How many of you are so, day, uh, so, so presumptuous on God that you made plans for the 4th of July? Anybody have plans for the 4th? Man, you, and, and you know this next breath comes from him, right? And so, so we make plans. We go to bed at night. You plan on doing what? Waking up, right? So let me ask you a question. When you die, when I say die, like Keone's Bluetooth, his, gold, his little blue fish, it died. We're trying to explain to him the concept of death in a way that he can kind of understand it and all of that and not go too far. But, but yeah, he kept looking at the river going, oh, there's where Bluetooth is. <laughs> every, every toilet he sees, ah, there's Bluetooth going down. It's like, okay, we're, trying to, we're not trying to like go too far with this, but trying to explain. But, but even us, we have a, how many of y'all know people or even yourself, you view death as the end? Dude, I'm doing it all right now because when I die, it's over. And I know we don't think that in our theology, but we think that in our lifestyle so often. And I like how he explains it as sleep. It's like when we die, we're absent from the body, we become who? Present with who? present with the Lord. Dude, I, it's just me. You ever, you, how many of y'all remember the Flintstones? Y'all remember the Flintstones? You remember Fred when the, the horn blew? Who did he work for? Mr. What? Help me out. Come on, bring back memories. Who did he, he work for what? Yeah, the quarry, right? right. And, and, and who did he work for? Mr. Slate, right? I mean, who else would own a quarry? Mr. Slate, right? Okay, and then you remember they pull that, that, uh, that bird's tail and the bird goes, and it was time that was clear. And you remember Fred man checking out with his like, uh, you know, slate time card, you know, and they would punch it. And then he got into what? Come on and bring back. He got in his little car, man. And he, you know, man, took about 20, 20, uh, you know, wind up steps before that car even got moving. And he couldn't wait to get home to see Wilma and be there with Pebbles and Bam Bam and, oh, well, Barney and, and what was the other chick's name, man? No, I'm just, <laughs> Betty, yeah. I mean, but look, did he just like, oh, and he's like, no, dude, I got to stay at work. I'm not going home. That's what we've developed in our mentality. Dude, Fred was clocking out as soon as he could, and he was beating feet to get home, to get home. Man, that's what it means to know that, the, that heaven is your home in all of this. So, again, I'm not saying sin so you can sleep and go home early <laughs> if God's still got work for you to do here. But this concept of sleep and death, when we die, what happens immediately after your heart stops beating and your brain stops working if you're a believer? What you're a nurse, man. If they're born-again believers, where are they going the minute after they have a patient die? Where are they at? They're going home like Fred Flintstone, man. They're home. They're there. And they're in a glorious place. But, man, what a shame it would be if he still had plans for you here. But because you misrepresent him, he got to take you home right now. 
Let me bust through this next part because we're going to look at this. He says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be what? Judge. Exactly. If you correct yourself, you don't have to be corrected. If, you, if all of a sudden, you know, you realize you're doing 85 on Indian River Drive and you look down at your speedometer, what would be the wise thing to do? Judge yourself. So a law enforcement officer, an LEO, doesn't have to judge you. Does that make sense? And who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? God. God. So, when, so who do you represent? God. Yeah. Hey, Christine, did your little boys, when they were little, did they ever embarrass you? Yeah, and you corrected them because they were embarrassing you in the grocery store or wherever. You know, no kid of mine's going to act like this, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, she sort of is probably. But. So, so anyways, he says, man, judge yourself so you don't have to be judged in all of that. And this is why we do Lord's Supper. And the first thing is to look what? Back. So that we can look forward. And we need to then look to judge ourselves so we don't have to be judged. But again, the purpose of why he left you here isn't for you here and now. It's for you to represent him. So last but not least, we're supposed to look around to rescue others who don't have Christ. That's our purpose. Charlotte, what's up? All right. You are here for the last. I, I, we've been praying. Oh, we've been praying. We've been praying for you. So, well, I have been and preaching. I'm kind of like, you know, I can do two things at once. No, I'm just joking. Um, I can't even do one thing at once. All right. So we're looking forward. Now, see, I'm all off. Man, too. All right. Pull the middle wedgie out. Here we go. All right. Look, we're looking back, uh, looking forward, looking in, and then look around to rescue others who don't have Christ. Check this last part out. But when we are judged, we're chastened. Okay? What does it mean to be corrected by God? What's the purpose of correcting? Is God trying to punish us? What's the difference between punishment and correction? Have we got an idea? What, what's, what is correction, the purpose of it? What are the purpose of guardrails on the bridge? How many of y'all are going to go across the bridge today? Anybody going to go across the bridge? Okay. Um, imagine going across that bridge. You're going to go across that bridge? Probably not if you don't have to, right? You're going to go across that bridge. And you're going to go across that bridge, and no problem, right? But what if right as you get up there, all of a sudden the guardrails fall off and there's no guardrails? Would you look at the bridge a little different? Yeah. Yeah. It's not pleasant. It's not. There's no freedom in that. And so, but I don't know about you, but every time I go across that bridge and I hit a guardrail, oh, what, you never hit guardrails? <laughs> it's only because I'm texting, all right? I got an excuse now. I'm joking. But every time I go across that bridge and I hit a guardrail, what's that guardrail do to me? Is it like, do, do, do big swords come out and cut my car in half and machine go, you know, that's punishment, right? That's judgment if that would happen. But chastisement, corrections, kind of like the guardrails on a bridge. Every time I hit those guardrails, I'm like, oh, has anybody here ever hit a guardrail on accident? Come on, who would be honest? Roger, it wasn't on purpose, on accident? Yeah, what happened when you hit the guardrail? Yeah, okay, well, you didn't get the point. <laughs> he went a little more extreme, all right? But when I hit the guardrail, you know what it does? It wakes me up. First, it wakes me up, and it makes me pay attention to where the lines really are. And it makes me now drive where I'm supposed to drive. That's the purpose of a guardrail. It's not to kill you. It's not to be marshmallow and say, oh, that's what you get. There's a cause. It's the perfect balance. When you hit the guardrail, man, it puts you back on track. And that's what happens with chastisement from God. 
when we are judged by God, it's like a guardrail. It's him waking us up and keeping us back, getting us back on track with him. So he says, when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord. Anybody here ever get a spanking from God? Code, you ever get a spanking by God? Yeah, and it got your attention and got you back on track. That's what it's supposed to do. Or if you're ultra-rebellious, you can just keep fighting God and see if you can beat it, and you're not. But when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord. Now look at this, that we may not be condemned. What's this last part says? So who's condemned? All those that don't have Christ. That's what that says. You can find it all through John's books. That if you don't have Christ, you are already condemned because you have nothing to pay for your sins except for yourself. And, and the Bible teaches us in Revelation, it teaches us in John's books, that you could not pay for your own sins. That's why he had to sacrifice his most treasured person in his life, which you, I can't believe, you wouldn't sacrifice Sarah for me or her or none of us. So imagine how much God loved us if he loved Jesus more than you love Sarah. If there was any other way, he could have done it. But there's the only way. The world is condemned. So what's our purpose for being here? We walk through this broken world and grow more in love with him so we can grow more in love with others and rescue those who don't have Christ. Why are you guys going to Miami? I mean, uh, go, why'd you go from Miami up, up, up to Jacksonville? Rescue others, right? Why are you guys going to Maui, man? What a, what a crummy place to go. You know? yeah. No, but seriously, seriously. They, don't, they don't like white people. They don't like you guys. You're a Howley, man. <laughs> you know, but you're going to a bunch of Howleys, right? I mean, so, so what, what's your purpose for going? It's to rescue people without Christ. J.J. Nashley, what was your purpose for coming here two years ago? To be a lighthouse, to be a lighthouse and help rescue people for Christ. And when you are his disciple, you go wherever he wants you to go to do that. So last but not least, that's it. And we're going to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. So everybody that I know that you're awake. Now, Callaway, you good? You can help us out. Will you stand up and lead us in this, man? All right. Got a, got a representative there. Roger, can you represent us over here, man? Sure. Go ahead. Stand up, bro. All right. And... Uh, Joan, Joan, you've been rocking it all day, so here we go, man. All right, so you guys, if you don't know what you're doing here, follow these guys. Get your hands out of your pocket, man, ready? All right, so celebrating the Lord's Supper, we're supposed to look back, look forward, look in, look around. One more time, look back, look forward, look in, and look around. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do. Whatever that means for you, to look at those things, whatever it means to you, when we grab this... Uh, when we grab this bread, I'm going to, in a minute, have the band come up. They're going to play. And you guys grab bread, grab some juice, go back to your seat. And I want you just to think about, looking back, say, what does it mean? What, what do you want me to think about of what you did for me? What's it going to be like? What do you want me to think about looking forward to being with you? And, and, and don't miss the third part. You've got to get all these. What does it look like? What, what, is, it, what is it in me that needs to change that will help me represent you more? to represent you better for the short period of time I'm here. And then God, will you help me look around, not to be judgmental, but help me look around to see who needs the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and let me be able to share it with them. Because that's the only reason I'm left here, is to share it in my mouth, but with my actions, by loving them. So ask God to show you these four things. You guys ready? So let's pray.
as bands coming up. Father, um, thank you so much for loving us and giving us this example, this correction from Corinthians. Father, I pray that if there's somebody discouraged in any way, that this would be an encouragement to them. I pray, Father, if there's anyone um, that's distracted and has lost track of the priorities of life and what's really going on and what's really what, what life is really about, I pray, Father, that by looking back, looking forward, looking in and looking around, that they would be encouraged and they would regain focus. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts in such a way that we would know that it is you and not just our conscience, not just our mind, thinking of things, not just guilt from what other people have said. But Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each of our hearts. And if there's somebody here that needs to give their life to Christ and just totally have the freedom of surrendering themselves to you and knowing that they're saved eternally because of what you did on the cross. Father, I pray today be the day they just surrender it all. Everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, and just let you handle the rest. So, Father, I just pray that this would be the most spirit-filled Lord's Supper that we've ever had because your Holy Spirit would take these things that we've been taught and speak to us. And, Father, we know when we hear from you, it's all good. We know that that's all that matters. And so speak to us, Father, in a mighty way as we do this. So if you would, there's no real order to this other than you coming up and just grabbing it and coming back to um, your seat and we'll celebrate it together.
heads bowed if we could. Would you ask God right now to reveal to you, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the best thing for you right now in remembering of what Jesus did to you. Just say, Jesus, what of all the things you did for me, what's the thing that stands out to me right now? What's the most important thing for me right now? Would you just ask him that question? Look back to what he did for you. Ask him to reveal it. How many of you has he shown something to? Cool. Cool. Would you ask him to help you look forward? What it's going to be like when he comes back? Maybe you are a little nervous. And maybe you're not sure what's going to happen when he comes back. And he wants to bring you assurance. Just ask him, say, when you come back, am I going with you? When I die, am I going to be with you? And if you've done what the word says you're supposed to do, surrendering yourself to him, you can have that assurance. But I want him to give you that assurance. Ask him to give you a glimpse of heaven. And what it's going to be like sitting at his feet. (laughs) Tell us in Romans that the sufferings in this life are nothing compared to the glory that we'll be experiencing in heaven. The worst things that have ever happened on this planet will not even be memorable compared to how awesome it's going to be. Would you just ask him to give you a glimpse of your real home, not this place. There's pretty awesome things here. But they don't even compare. We can't even describe them. Would you ask him to help you represent him while you're here? Would you look in? ask him, say, Lord, is there anything in my life where I'm not representing you the way I should be representing you? And we ask him to help you represent him better. We're only here a short period of time. Ask him to help you look around. Ask him to help you show this, see this world from a different perspective. Knowing that your job is to make disciples, is to be a witness, to show people how awesome God is. Would you ask him for some folks that you could show that to? 
Say, Lord, who is it that you want me to show how awesome you are? Lord, will you make me see people from that perspective? I guarantee if there were people walking around in darkness, physical darkness, and you had a flashlight, you have no problem handing them one. Would you ask them to help you be a witness for him? Father, thank you for telling us that we're supposed to do this. Thank you for allowing us to do it today, where we have opportunity to look back to what you've done for us, to look forward to our real home, which is heaven, and being with you. And that causes us then to ask you, Lord, to um, help us represent you better while we're here. And I pray that if there's anything, which I know there is, that you want to correct in our lives, that you would correct those things so we could represent you better. And then help us, Father, as we walk through life to not have our eyes set on ourselves, but to look around and see others. And remember what our real purpose is, and that is to shine that light. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It says on the night which he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks and blessed it and said that this would be his body. And he said, eat and do this as often as um, whenever you do it, remember him. And by the same token, he took the cup and he um, said that this is his, represents his blood and that it represents a new covenant, that you're saved eternally because of his blood. And he said, so he wants us to drink it. Every time we drink it, we're supposed to remember that new covenant and remember that he broke his body for us.